This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official beer of Steeler Nation, Crackastonies, pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and today I'm joined by Pittsburgh native and Pittsburgh Steeler alumni quarterback, Bruce Gradkowski. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing great, my man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we're super, super blessed to have you on the air today in Steeler Nation, I know, as well as me. I mean, I'm really excited to be talking to you today, so thanks for taking the time again. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm actually... Uh... Just staying busy. I'm, you're, you're helping me with this car drive. I drive down to Cincinnati every week <laughs> uh, for Pro Football Focus. Yep. So I got three hours ahead of me. So it, uh, nothing like talking some football and especially some Steeler football. That's great. That's great. So is Pro Football Focus, is that located in Cincinnati? Yeah, so they're based out of Cincinnati. Uh, Chris Collinsworth owns the company. He bought them a few years ago um, and, you know, Man, I, I just have a lot of respect for them. Of uh, What I've learned this past year of working with Pro Football Focus is, you know, they, we grade every player, every game, every snap. Yeah. So all the information, you know, fans are getting um, and teams, NFL teams, college teams. I mean, I'm telling you, these, these are uh, – there's coaches that work for us grading this stuff, former wow. players like myself. And, you know, so you're – you know, we're grading as if, you know, we're grading a game like I watched games uh, when I was playing. So every every Sunday going into Monday, I have to grade every NFL throw. So wow. usually, you know, I'm watching the games throughout a Sunday afternoon and mm-hmm. evening and all that. Yeah. But Sunday evening, I get the game film come into me and mm-hmm. pray from about 730 in the evening to about 230 or 3 at night. Uh, I'm I'm great in film, and then I'll get up the next morning about 7:30 or so, and then uh, finish the grading because you know we want to get the grades out to the fans and and have it uh, on the site uh, pretty early Monday, so we get that done about like two or so. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it's been great this year because it keeps keeps me involved, seeing seeing a lot of games out there. Uh, but you know those, those weaning hours of like 1:32 in the morning on you know Sunday nights, I'm like. Man, I'm just trying to get through these throws as fast as I can. <laughs> that's great. That is that's really really interesting. So your job then specifically for Pro Football Focus would be called what? So I'm like one of the analysts that oversee the quarterback grading. Wow. So yeah, um, and, and there's a ton of analysts that go through each game, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a ton of eyes on each clip, and you know, we we talk amongst each other but you know uh being a former player former quarterback Mm -hmm. it's cool because i have a lot of insight into offenses and routes and you know what a quarterback's read and footwork should be and 
Yeah. Um, so, so we want to try to make the grade as specific as possible. And, um, and a lot of times give the players benefit of the doubt. Um, but it's a great way to just really be pretty accurate on how these guys are playing, you know, and it yeah. comes out pretty cool after, after the weekend and we see, uh, what their grades are. Oh, that's really interesting. Cause, um, I, I guess in the past when pro football focus started, it was more of like people online and fans and just doing a lot of the breakdown. So now it sounds like since Collinsworth has taken over, he, he's making it a point then to get a lot of, uh, NFL experienced people in there with eyes to really improve on the grading concept. Is that something you've, you've seen, or is that an emphasis for pro football football focus? Yeah, I mean, I think even from the the very start, these guys were really focused in on grading the players and being specific that they're doing their job and, you know, executing their assignment and whatnot. Um, And then, yeah, with Chris Collinsworth, I think it's, you know, now you bring the media side of things. Now, you know, seeing the world and the relationships with NFL teams. I mean, every NFL team signed up with Pro Football Focus. And then myself, Solomon Wilcox, we work for pro football focus. So it's, it's good to have former uh, players in it as well. And there's just so much information. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's overwhelming, <laughs> but it's, it, it's really cool. What, what's all involved. I mean, look, you know, the duck was one of our uh, top graded quarterbacks this week. You wow. Know? I think he's like top five. <laughs> so, that so is it's great. really changed from, yeah. So it's, it's cool to see all these, these uh, quarterbacks doing some, some good things well let, let's get into the grading then since you brought up Delvin uh Devin, Devlin Hodges and um what do you see specifically uh in his game that he's doing currently well and what do you think that he needs improvement because I mean obviously this guy's come out of nowhere being an undrafted rookie free agent um he's done nothing but work as hard as he can when he's in the trenches and with two starts he's got two wins what do you see there Bruce Right, no, and and as a quarterback, that's the most important stat. You know, anytime, especially as a backup, you fill in, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure, you just want to win, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, he's done that in his two starts, and that's, you know, watching him in training camp a little bit, he was a guy that I always saw, and I said, you know what, this guy's just accurate. You know, he's able to um, just complete passes. It's not always going to look pretty, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if the guy's open, he's going to hit it. Uh, he's not the biggest guy. He doesn't have the most athleticism, but it just seems like he's a football player, you know, and kind of like myself in a sense where you're just going to find a way. And I think the guys rally around him, his teammates, and they enjoy him being in there. And I think that means a lot. That's almost more than, you know, your arm strength and ability is being able to get in the huddle and look in the player's eyes and, and them feel the confidence that you have and the confidence you bring to the team mm. and thinking you have a chance. And yeah. I think with Devlin, he's, he's just done a great job of bringing a different sense of urgency and a different calmness to the huddle that, they, you know, the guys in there are like, man, I, this guy gives us a chance. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And there's, you know, I'm obviously not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't play football. I played in, in high school. I was more of a receiver. Um, at least what I'm seeing out of Hodges, I agree with you. I like his accuracy. I like um, his ability to uh, put the ball in positions where the receivers can make plays. Um, the one aspect that I saw in his game that I felt needed improvement was a lot of the times 
He seems to leave the pocket a little early and run backwards as opposed to moving up in the pocket where he still has um, where he still has protection. Um, it looked like yeah. he was doing it early in the game last week and then started improving in the second second quarter on. Um, it, it, what do you see with his footwork and, and how do you think how do you see him being able to improve his game? Yeah, and you know that happens a lot too. Is with, with smaller quarterbacks, even myself. Sometimes if you can't see and you don't have a window, um, it's just your natural instinct to leave the pocket. Yeah, and a lot of times, look, he hasn't played a lot yet, so he'll continue to learn this. But mm-hmm. you know, you want to step up and in, in, into the integrity of the pocket, and that's where you know you will windows will open up because you're yeah. right tackle left tackle they're fanning out they're blocking the defensive end mm-hmm. the guards and center you know work together at times so windows tend to open up and you, and that's where the integrity of the pocket is is right in the middle there so you never want to go back or drift to the side you want to hitch up in that pocket mm-hmm. and let your offensive line work for you because you know, the Sears offensive line, man, I played with, you know, some of these guys, most of them. And, um, man, they're, they're the best line in the NFL. I think they do a yeah. fa- fantastic job, you know, led by Pouncey and yeah. DeCastro, Ramon yeah. Foster, just veterans that have been around. Mm. Uh, so if, if I'm Duck, man, I just I just trust that old line. I mean, I trust their protection calls. I mean, and that's one thing, being a, a young quarterback, mm-hmm. that if you have a veteran center like Pouncey, you trust he's going to get the, the offensive line going in the right direction yeah. uh, to pick up the, the blitzes and so forth. So there's a lot off your plate, even though you still have to maintain and control how you're protected, know where your hots are. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot to think about playing the position. And Duck hasn't have, had a lot of snaps, mm-hmm. um, so he'll just continue to get better. But the, the main thing I want to see, and it, happened, it, it didn't happen this week, is having uh, turnover-worthy plays. Yeah, uh, that will grade, and and he had none, and that's important because mm-hmm. right now the defense is playing well for the Steelers. Um, that if you're if you're playing quarterback, you want to protect that ball. If you do that, you're going to give your team multiple chances to win a football game. And that seemed like a a big difference too between Hodges and Rudolph, and the reason why the Steelers chose to switch to Hodges was ball ball uh, security. Um, I I did yeah. also like. Rudolph, I like what he's done in the training camp. He's also appeared to be really accurate in training camp. For me, it seems like he was very productive early in the season before his concussion, and after he had his concussion, he wasn't as accurate. He seemed to um, wait a little longer before delivering the balls. Uh, did you see any difference in his game, or do you have any uh, uh, input on um, Rudolph's progression? Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it right there. I think sometimes – we saw him holding the ball in the pocket a little too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not all the time is that the quarterback's fault. Sometimes yeah. it's the routes that are called or maybe a little further downfield. Or it's only a two-man route, mm-hmm. so you don't have other options and your back is in the backfield still trying to block or try to get out on his route. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of times, too, is you know seeing that anticipation, playing the game with a sense of urgency. And I think you, you have to have that as, at the quarterback position. And at times, too, you know, either throwing from the end zone or taking a safety. I mean, those are times, too, you want to see that sense of urgency. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, this might be a good thing for Rudolph. He could sit back and learn. Look, he's still young in his career, too. So um, I've been through many ups and downs 
throughout my career. And you just have to persevere, keep working hard, uh, and keep trying to move forward because you could continue to learn a lot. You can learn a lot, especially going through some tough times. And you've had a, an amazing career. I mean, to last 10 years in the NFL, 10 plus, is it's it's a feat. And it, and it speaks to your ability. And I know you've moved around a lot in the NFL. I know you're drafted by uh, Tampa your rookie year, but you also played with Cleveland and St. Louis for a training camp, Oakland and Cincinnati, then ended up in Pittsburgh. I mean, you've got a wealth of experience of uh, NFL teams and franchises. Um, how did these programs differ and what did you like the best about each city? Yeah, I mean, I think everything, you know, every city had uh, some good things. You know, I'm very fortunate to have been around some great coaches, owners, teammates. Um, you know, it, it's just been a true blessing. And, you know, I just throughout my career, I've always tried to focus on what I could control and, you know, not – at the end of the day, just anything you do, it's not all about ability. You know, mm-hmm. it's about controlling what you could tr- control, uh, knowing your assignment, you know, being at the right place at the right time, you mm-hmm. know, having the, that positive attitude and, and, and character. And, and I always tried to bring that to practice every day. You know, I was always going to have energy, good, be a good teammate, know what I'm supposed to do and, and be accountable. And, um, you know, things worked out. I, th- I think, you know, I learned a ton from John Gruden in Tampa my first two years on how to play the quarterback position. Learned a ton about offenses, protection, yeah. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Oakland because we lived in San Fran. I thought it was nice. a beautiful city. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I got to play a lot, you know, yeah. and we had some good times. And then Cincinnati was cool. I thought Cincinnati's a cool city. Uh, backed up Andy Dalton for a few years. Saw mm-hmm. his progression, his rookie year, and his, his – uh, second year in the league and, nice. and he was a smart young quarterback coming in the league yes and then uh, and then finishing my career with the Steelers you know where I've you know been born and raised and yeah uh the, the great fans of, of Pittsburgh and I know how diehard they are <laughs> because I grew up there and I was one of them so yeah I know what it means on Monday morning when you know the Steelers lose on Sunday how crappy you feel and then uh you know, so I, I lived through it, and then to finish my career, though, Pittsburgh was pretty special with my whole family around. And, you know, it's funny because as I played for other teams uh, throughout the NFL, my cousins, family, they would they would come to games and say, you know, specifically when I was with Tampa Bay, yeah. you know, it's my rookie year. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, uh, we're, we're coming in to play, you know, the Steelers in, in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field and – uh, my cousin's like, you know, I mean, I'm just going to wear black. I'm just going to wear neutral <laughs> colors. I mean, yeah. he's like, he, he's like, we want you to do well, but I mean, I still want the Steelers to win. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. We're, you know, we're, we're blood, yeah. we're, you know? And uh, so it was very funny. Like even when I was with the Raiders yeah. and we came in town to beat the Steelers. Oh, I remember that um, game. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, know, my, to Brad, Brad, uh, Bruce, um, that game, Almost ruined my marriage. <laughs> you killed yeah. us in that game. It was a big upset, and you had a fantastic game. So, <laughs> just an aside, well, almost, it's not your I fault. Almost got pushed, I, I just, almost got pushed out of the family for that game. So, <laughs> your, your, your marriage almost ended. I almost got kicked out of the family for coming coming in town and beating the hometown team. So, uh, No, but you had an excellent – I remember I'm, that game I'm well. I'm glad we're still – yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. 
That's no, that funny. was a pretty that was a pretty special moment. But yeah, my yeah. family was still just wearing neutral colors that game, hoping the Steelers would win. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. That's that's really interesting too. And you know, being Steeler Nation is passionate about their players. It doesn't matter where you are on the roster. If a Pittsburgh native comes home to roost for the pros, you know it. I mean, I'm sure everybody around town was saying welcome yeah. home and and really enjoying you being in town. And and I know. When you're in Pittsburgh, obviously, um, you were you had a, you had your share of injuries that you had to deal with during that time. But it was the benefit also was with your experience in the league, you were almost like another quarterback coach there, and you were really it seemed yeah. like you were really there to to help in out of the quarterback system. So, talk to us a bit about the quarterback room in Pittsburgh and how that worked out. Yeah, no, I mean, at first, you know, like we talk about this, you know, the fans in Pittsburgh are amazing. And you're right. It doesn't matter where you're at on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, Steeler fans are amazing and, you know, welcoming, welcoming you to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that's always cool. And, and I just appreciate all the responses on Instagram and Twitter and, and all the, you know, the feedback. You know, I, I love it. And uh, so the quarterback room, though, it was it – was, awesome to be a part of. I mean, I think anytime you're around a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben, um, and then also young guys that would come in, and I just thought it was just really neat, and, and I would just try, no matter what quarterback room I was in, I'd just help out any way I could. You know, it's different being in a room uh, with a future Hall of Famer in Ben and than being in Cincinnati with Andy Dolan as a rookie. You yeah. know, so you have to handle those situations differently I couldn't talk to Ben the same way I talked to, you know, Andy Dalton as a rookie. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I learned a lot from Ben, too. It's just the type of football player he is. You know, it's not always about X's and O's, but it's about, you know, making plays at the right time. And, and also as a coach, of, of how, do, how do you get the best out of your players? And, you know, and I realized that in Pittsburgh. I think, I mean, Tomlin is doing – just an amazing job this year and yeah if he's yeah, he not is. the coach of the year <laughs> I, I i don't know really i don't know what you know you have to do to become the coach of the year because for the the key components he's he has lost this year yeah um you lose your franchise quarterback yep you know you, you lose some other key components to your team yep. um and now you're in the playoff hunt so it's, it's really cool to see but i think that's what i learned the most in pittsburgh of just how to um have a great culture. I mean, it's an awesome culture. It's a great place to go to work every day. I think that's a compliment to the Roonies and nice. what they've built and established there. Kevin Colbert, the GM's done a fantastic job. So yeah. it was just really cool to be a part of it. And um yeah, and I'm excited to see what they're doing right now and seeing and hopefully this leads into playoff first. Nice. Do you continue to communicate with the Roonies or any front office or players at the Steelers? Yeah, you know, I stay in touch with them. There's sometimes uh, I know they asked me to come back for uh, – I was at both Monday night games doing some uh, local uh, work for a local news station. That's great. Uh, but I also got honored at, at the game uh, for making the Whippeo Hall of Fame. They honored Charlie Batch and myself. Nice. Um, so it was really cool. And, yeah, so so just the the Roonies are really family ba- – you know, I mean, they're they're awesome people and they're they're family people and you know they they make you feel like that and it's almost like when you play for the Steelers you're always a part of the family and um it's just really special to feel that way because 
you know, look, I didn't have some amazing moments as a Pittsburgh Steeler. You know, yeah. fortunately, Ben didn't get hurt the main two years I backed him up, you know. <laughs> true. That's and true. And then, then yeah. the next two years I dealt with some injuries. So, yeah. Um, but it was, it, you know, I, I wish I could have had some moments that I did in Oakland and, and, mm-hmm. and helped the Steelers win some football games. Yeah. Uh, but I was always, look, I, I came out to practice hard and I enjoyed my time there mm-hmm. with the coaches, the, the, the players. Um, so I always like uh, seeing, especially now, watching what they're doing. Nice. I've got a, a couple questions here for you from the SteelerNation.com uh, members on site. They submit some questions, and we get to ask uh, our interviewees yeah. some of the questions direct from the source, direct from Steeler Nation. So um, Steel, nice. Steel Dino, who's one of the members over there, he wanted to know, what made a Pittsburgh kid choose Toledo for college? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, coming out of high school, I went to Seton LaSalle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't heavily re- heavily recruited, and I was a big basketball player and fan, and <clears throat> I got recruited a little bit to play basketball. And then my football offers were, you know, Delaware, Eastern Kentucky, Florida International, a few one double A schools at the time. Um, and then, you know, I actually committed to Eastern Kentucky. And, you know, we go to Walmart, we buy all the gear when we leave there, and we're all excited. Well, then I get to, uh, back to high school the next day, and I get called down to the office, and the Toledo coach is on the phone. And he wants me to walk on, and I said, ah, oh, coach, you know, I, ha- I have a full ride to Eastern. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's easier on my parents, you know, that I could, you know, they can't afford to send me to school. So, you know, yes. this full ride is going to help. Yeah. And, um, and so then they're like, okay, well, we'll give you, we'll, we'll call you back. And then they came to watch me play basketball that week. Uh-huh. They saw I was athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a good hooper. I could, you know, score 20, 20 points a game until we played Aliquippa and I had Josh Lay dunking on us. Oh, gosh. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, yeah, so then Toledo, they came to watch me play basketball and then they offered me a scholarship. And then nice. when I went to visit, yeah. I just knew. I was like, look, this it was always my dream and goal to play Division One football. It, you know, Toledo was an awesome campus, yeah. um, a good school, and the people you you know I met on the visit, it was pretty special. And I, I'm just, man, I'm so fortunate how it worked out because, you know, Toledo was a place that I could go and grow and become the player and person I could be. Yeah. And, um, and and that was really special to me. So I met my wife there too. So oh, that's a, uh, that's was, the best. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And and your quarterback rating was was insane. Your three years at Toledo. Um, I I you know I rarely see numbers like that, which is a big reason. You know, even though you're in the MAC, it was a big reason why you got drafted. Um, and I'm I'm yeah. So it was it was the right decision, I assume, to get to Toledo. And and how far away <laughs> is Toledo then from Pittsburgh? Then drive wise. Yeah, it's only a three and a half hour drive, and it's oh, all yeah. Ohio, you know, PA Turnpike to Ohio Turnpike. Yeah, and it's a straight shot, so it's it's pretty easy. So it worked out for my parents too and my family because they would take big bus trips with my whole family up to Toledo games. Yeah, uh, to watch us play. And you currently live in Toledo now? Yeah, we currently do now. You know, I met That's my cool. wife at Toledo, and as we were uh, as I was playing in the NFL. We bought a home in Toledo um, as I was traveling throughout the NFL. And then when I moved back to Pittsburgh to play for the Steelers, you know, we bought a home there. And mm-hmm. uh, so we're always back and forth. I own a, a hospice company in Pittsburgh called Pilgrimage 
hospice. Nice. And, you know, I started, I started that towards the end of my career. No one, you know, football's not going to last forever. And, yeah. you know, what, what can I get into that kind of gives back? And I think just hospice is such a unique time and special time in, in people's lives that um, it could be a very, you know, uh, good ending. And, and we want to be a part of that. But it's also, look, when people come on hospice, it doesn't mean it's always the end. You know, we've had yeah. people come on hospice and then um, we discharge them off hospice as they progress. But just mm-hmm. all the love and support we could give families, yeah. you know, we, we hire our staff as if, you know, we're take care of our own family and friends. And, you know, it's pretty special to do that in my hometown. So, yeah, so I'm always back and forth with that as well because uh, we're right there in Pittsburgh. So That's great, Bruce. You're doing God's work, and I know the city really appreciates that as well. Um, I've got another question from Drink Iron City. He wants to know if you can talk about the importance of locker room cohesiveness. Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's a part of the culture that, you know, Tomlin can build, you know, and that he has built. Um, because you look around the league, too, and when you see things um, happen throughout the league, it's whether or not the locker room has each other's back because there's so much media nowadays mm-hmm. that, you know, guys could read articles and they could believe stuff on social media yeah. and they could, you know, go take one side or the other. But how do you keep those guys together? Um, and, and, and have one common goal and work together towards it. And I think Tomlin does just a terrific job with that. Um, so there's always, it's always such a fine line of how do you, you know, stay disciplined and, you know, discipline your players, but also have a culture that, you know, guys want to learn and grow in. And I really think that's Pittsburgh. You know, when you're with Tomlin and his staff, players tend to grow into, you know, the players they could become. Um, and they do a really good job there. And I've been a part of other organizations, too, that it's hard, man. It's hard as a head coach to really manage the locker room. I look at what Jason Garrett's going through now in Dallas. You know, all the media that's coming out and they want him fired. Mm. Um, Now, how do you handle that with the players? Because the players are seeing that stuff. Yeah. So they're either going to start believing a little bit or can you keep them and hold on to them and keep them engaged in those team meetings. And that's what separates the good coaches from the great coaches. Yeah, that's a great point. And I know at least Dallas, it's, it might be a little bit more difficult because they always seem a little bit more willing to bring in talent over top of locker room cohesiveness. Whereas in Pittsburgh, it seems like right. the Steelers have just gotten rid of the two biggest uh, online detractors with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, you know, maybe this journey this season is, is a little bit more, helped out to the fact that there's no chirping. There's no, there's nothing on social media negative. It seems like for the Steelers this season. And I think that's might be another reason that's helped them progress through this adversity with all these injuries this season. Yeah. I mean, and I, I do believe that, you know, um, now they're just focused on winning football games and not worrying about, you know, off the field issues. I mean, look at Cleveland when the one game, you know, uh, Landry and Odell Beckham have different spikes on and they have to change yeah. at halftime. And, you know, yeah. that's just stuff during a game you don't want to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, look, we have enough stuff we have to deal with trying to win football games and worry about, you know, this cover zero blitz that we're going to face. Yeah. Um, then worrying about what kind of spikes, you know, that you're going <laughs> to wear and stuff like that. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, but I think, too, you also have to let players be their own, you know, 
their own personalities, let their personalities come out. I think Tomlin does a good job with that. Yeah. Um, but then also, I mean, you see it, though. It, it's hard. You need dynamic players to make plays, mm. and that's what Le'Veon and A.B. did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can tell this year the offense is missing some playmaking ability. Yeah. But it's cool to see James Washington come on. Mm-hmm. Now Juju getting healthy again. Um, James Conner getting healthy. So I just think that they've done a good job maintaining while while their stars get healthy. Uh, but it's about playmaking. It's about about making plays when you have to. And I have one final question from SteelerNation.com from Hoots. Uh, he wanted you to to talk briefly about the evolution uh, the pardon me he wanted you to talk briefly about the evolution of the passing game since you entered the league and how difficult is it for a young quarterback to make the transition to an NFL offense yeah I think um I mean we're seeing it right now with Lamar Jackson right I yeah. think their coaching staff has done a phenomenal job building the offense around them yes and um you know but he has that ability that only 1% has, yeah. you know, you know, so you have to coach around that. And he's done just a great job this year of, you know, hitting the passes that he's getting downfield. And that's, I think, important. And, and so I, I see the game evolving where, you know, you're still going to have to make throws from the pocket. You're going to still have to be an accurate passer. Uh, but you want a quarterback that can also move a little bit. I mean, the quarterbacks of Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers, just, you know, standing in the pocket, you know, and I don't want to underestimate Tom Brady's ability, the way he extends plays just by moving in the pocket a little bit um, and avoiding the rush. But, you know, to be able to use your legs to make plays is key, especially on third down. I mean, you can see Ryan Tannehill doing it and a few of his wins this year. Third down at 10, takes off, gets the first down. That's just key. I mean, yeah. uh, Devlin Hodges yeah. did that last week. It was like a third and short. Yeah. third and medium or so, and he takes off third and six, boom, he gets the first down and slides. That, yep. that is huge for an offense to be able to do that. And you don't have to be the most athletic mm-hmm. to have a little bit in your game. Um, you know, I love to see that. So, and, you know, the transition, I think the biggest thing that's tough, you know, once you get to the NFL is the speed of the game. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's everything from – the pocket collapses a lot faster than college. Yeah, <clears throat> you have to you have to know a lot more. I mean, you're worried about you know uh, the personnel groupings the coach is sending in through the headset. Then you're worried about not having 12 men in the huddle, so you're staying outside the huddle getting a play. Now you're worried about the play clock. Now you have to call the shifts, the motions, yeah. the snap count, the play, break the huddle, get the line. What's the defense in? The shifts, the motions, the coverage. What's my progression? What's my footwork? Yep. Oh shoot! It's a delay game. Oh shit! I can't even do that. So, <laughs> so that's that's so perfect. There's insight. a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a perfect insight to exactly what somebody would be thinking. That's at least what I'd be going through if I got into a huddle because I just don't have the experience of running an offense, obviously, like you have. Uh, that's fantastic. So, um, let's go back a little bit. Let's uh, talk about last week in the Cleveland game and and with your job with Pro Football Focus. I'm really interested to to hear about your breakdown of Baker Mayfield, who was the quarterback on the opposite side of the field last week. Yeah, I think you know Baker Mayfield. Uh, even this whole season with Freddie Kitchens, they've been lacking details over there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every week I grade these guys. You see some miscommunications, guys just doing a little too much to the routes, but also Mayfield, too, just being 
you know, inaccurate at times this year. And, um, you know, and that's tough. And you, you have to make plays in key moments, situational football, third downs, red zone, and um, and take care of the football. And you, you could tell when that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I just think the Steelers' defense did a good job. I mean, and I'm excited to continue to watch them, especially this week against Kyler Murray. Oh, they're, they're, they are fun to watch. Um, I'll tell you that. It's been a long time because growing up a Pittsburgh boy like yourself – you know, we grew up learning how to root for defense and to have this re-energized defense coming back and playing hard. It's 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 re-energized the home crowd. I know when I'm there in the seats, uh, the crowd is as loud as it's been, um, even though the offense isn't moving the football as well. When the defense is making the play, that that really starts to get the fan base up and going. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's why it's awesome playing hide and field in, in, in front of the home crowd because they're amazing. All those terrible towels waving. Uh, so it's definitely fun when you're on the Steelers sideline. But like I said, when I came in as a rookie in, in uh, Tampa Bay, uh, that wasn't the best day. I think yeah. I threw like three interceptions that oh. day. So. <laughs> well, as a Steeler fan, we appreciate that. But obviously, we wanted <laughs> you want to do your best when you're on the field. <laughs> but uh, the, like yeah, you're saying, no, exactly. So the but the Steelers did have a great game last game. They got five sacks. Um, you know, Dupree had one of his best games, uh, especially, you know, not just with his one and a half sacks and the strip sack that he had, but um, getting pressure. And one of those pressures early in the um, or late in the, in the in the first half was he ended up getting right in um, um, Baker Mayfield's face. And it appeared that he hurt his thumb on his face mask. So when Baker Mayfield came back out in the second half, he had a glove on and it appeared that his hand was taped underneath a glove. So. Um, cause when I was watching him move his hand, it didn't look like he was flexing his thumb at all. Um, is that something that's done in the NFL? Do they actually put tape, uh, tape a hand up and then put a glove on top of it at times? Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, I, I did, I busted my thumb up a little bit when I was with the Raiders and it's mm-hmm. tough, man, because your thumb's an important piece to hold that football and be able to spin it and throw it. Yeah. And Mayfield to finish that game had to, you know, tape up his, his thumb wear a glove to get a better grip on it. Yeah. But I just think that's a compliment to Bud Dupree. I mean, he's playing his tail off this year. He is. Getting some, you know, pressure on the quarterback. They're doing a phenomenal job getting pressure on quarterbacks this year, disguising coverages, and just making plays and being a very opportunistic defense and getting turnovers. So uh, it's fun to watch. And that's why, man, if you could get some key shots to the quarterback, um, you're going to take him out of the ball game, and that's why I think it's important this week when you face Kyler Murray, when you face Lamar Jackson down the stretch, yeah. is you have to make those guys feel like you're all over them. I mean, I remember playing the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. that you always felt like they were playing with 12 or 13 men on the field. Wow. You're like, yeah. man, where are all these guys coming? Why is there always someone around me? I remember <laughs> Brett Kiesel would always be trying to be in my face and grab my jersey and yeah. – you know, we go, through, you know, scuffle a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, so I, that's the kind of defense I'm starting to see now, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but when you're playing a, an athletic quarterback like Kyler Murray this weekend, mm-hmm. you have to contain him, not let him make his, you know, plays outside the pocket as much. He's going to make his plays here or there. Yeah. But how can you c- contain him enough? Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And that's something too. Um, moving forward to. Uh, the Cardinal game then this weekend, obviously the Kyler Murray being the the focal point of that offense now. 
Um, it seems that they had trouble um, protecting him last week. I think they let up six sacks to uh, the Rams, who we know have one of the best, you know, front seven in the league. Um, but I, I also see the Steelers' strength playing in a lot like the Rams of being able to get to the quarterback. Um, what do you see in that matchup, and, and what do you see in um, Kyler Murray? What, what could Kyler Murray do to kind of, you know, uh, alleviate that pass rush that the Steelers have? Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's just a dynamic player where he crushes teams in two-minute drills. You know, at the end of the half or the end of the game, because you're trying to rush a quarterback back and play coverage, and, man, he sees a lane <clears throat> and he takes it. Next thing you know, he's in field goal range, yeah. uh, you know, kicking a game winner. Wow. So I think the thing for Kyler Murray is you have to contain him and not give him those those lanes to really take off and run because he could really hurt you that way. Um, and, you know, he's a smaller quarterback. So if I'm playing against him, I want to make, make it seem like, we're so much bigger than you, and, and how do you do that is, I don't know, maybe build up the right side of the line where you're rushing him that way, uh, uh-huh. and he if he does scramble, he has to scramble off to his left. I mean, Baker Mayfield, you see, when he scrambles, he tries to go to his right all the time, and, yeah. and quarterbacks naturally do that. Um, so that's what I'd like to see from the defense is continuing to pressure him, but you know, like I said, try not to give him those lanes to to run and how could you build up those walls in front of them? What do you see in Kyler Murray's passing game since you break down uh, every pass in the NFL? Um, is, is there anything specifically that he does really well in the passing game? Well, he's a good passer. I mean, he really is. He's very accurate. He has a good arm. He can make all the throws. Nice. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, you know, just if we're going to compare him and Lamar Jackson. I mean, just because of their athleticism is – just like no no one else, yeah. but Kyler Murray can also make the throws from the pocket. So mm. you, you can't take him lightly in a sense that you can afford to just play all man-to-man coverage and, and expect him not to make throws. I mean, he's going to make throws. He's accurate with the football. He's got a strong arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to make his throws from the pocket. The thing with him is if he could get those throwing lanes to make those throws, just being a smaller type quarterback. And I also see this weekend um, Arizona has, I believe, the worst-ranked pass defense in the league. Do you think that will severely help the Steelers this week, or do you, do you think they are healthy enough to be able to take advantage of that type of weakness in the secondary? Yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely think this is a good week for Duck Hodges to get another start to build that momentum, I mean, because they're going to have a few tough opponents down the stretch in the Ravens and Bills that have good defenses that you're going to have to figure out good you know, ways to score points. So I think this week, the Steelers' offense, I expect big things from. Um, you know, Hodges is very good throwing the football down. I mean, those go routes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the intermediate throws, like 15 to 20 yards downfield. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Steelers, man, give him those chunks. Let him throw the ball downfield. And I think this weekend he will. He'll play pretty well. Bruce, you've been fantastic. I, I really appreciate all of your insight, all of your information. You're a wealth of knowledge, man. <laughs> and you're an actual absolute gem for Steeler Nation. Oh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, Steeler Nation has been amazing to me. So I really appreciate that. And, 
you know, they can follow me on Instagram, yeah. bgrad05, and, and Twitter, bgradkowski5. And, hey, and if, if you have family or friends that, you know, honestly need, you know, hospice care, I think oh, it's important to know a pilgrimage hospice. Um, we're here for you just because I know how difficult of a time that can be. So look us up online and, um, shoot, man, I'll even come by and visit. So oh, that's great. Thank you very much, Bruce. And Bruce, also, uh, I know that you're in radio as well. Tell our Steeler fans how they can listen to you then during the week. Yeah, so every week on Thursday, I have a show on Sirius XM NFL Radio, noon to three. I was uh, my co-host, Bruce Murray, talking football. And then also, uh, right after I get off with them, I go on with my man, Filipponi, on 93.7 to fan from 3 to 3.30 on Thursday. So, and then Saturdays, I have a little Fox Sports radio hit uh, Saturday nights just for, you know, 15 minutes or so. It's 6.20 um, p.m. with Bucky Brooks and Jonas Knox. So, you know, just staying out there, talking a lot of football, so it's pretty fun. Oh, that's fantastic. Steeler Nation, obviously, we thank you so much, Bruce Gretkowski, for being on the call with us. Please be sure to reach out to him on his Instagram, BGRAD05, Twitter, B-G-R-A-D-K-O-W-S-K-I-5. And follow this guy because he knows his stuff, guys, and he likes posting breakdowns, and we love football knowledge. So this is a guy to follow. So thanks again, Bruce, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, Stryker, you're the man. Thanks, brother. Anytime, anytime. Hey, Steeler fans, make sure to come to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and Steelers news on the Internet. Tweet us at SteelerNation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, and Facebook, SteelerNation. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stoney's Brewing. I'm your host, G. Stryker, along with Bruce Gradkowski, rooting along with you, as always. Go Steelers! Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.